During the Lenten season, we are going through a series called I Can't Fight This Alone. And the first Sunday of Lent was last Sunday, and we went over those important words of Jesus Christ, which is repent and believe in the good news. And I gave a simple image talking about your favorite topic, which is poop, and talked about how the Lord wants to come in and do some plumbing work because by what the ways of the world, what they're offering us, it's kind of made us spiritually constipated. And the Lord wants to come in, and in order for him to come in and do what he needs to do to heal us, to deliver us, to get the gunk out, we need to repent. And the word repent comes from the Greek word metanoia. So let's just repeat that word once we can learn some Greek today. The word is metanoia, right. And the word meta means change, and noia comes from the Greek word nous or noi, which means soul, change of soul, complete transformation, to repent, to take a total U-banger towards the way I was going and turning my back on that and going towards the Lord. So we need a metanoia, and we need many, many metanoias. And the reason why a lot of people are kind of wishy-washy in their faith is I would say it's a lot of it's because we haven't taken these first words of Jesus very seriously. Mind you, I, I believe, I hope you believe Jesus is smarter than you, and hopefully you know that he has your best interests in mind, and he wants you to repent, specifically during Lent. It's a great opportunity to truly repent, to turn away from the things that are not of God and turn towards him with your mind, body, and soul. And then today, we move ahead. We move ahead eight chapters in the Gospel of Mark. And right before this, in the ninth chapter, right before the ninth chapter is the eighth chapter, and, and, and this is the first time in this eighth chapter where Jesus predicts his passion to his apostles. And he tells them, I'm going to be handed over and rejected and despised. I will be whipped and scourged. I will be publicly humiliated. I will be nailed to a cross. But I will rise from the dead. And for those of us who know what Peter does after this, Peter, he actually takes Jesus apart by himself and says, No, God forbid. I don't want you to suffer. And at that point, Jesus says those powerful words to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. When you and I try to tell God what to do, when you and I try to avoid him in his passion, and we want this pristine, bubbly, rainbow-esque world, we are not dealing with the real Jesus. And nothing converts people more fully to Jesus when they encounter him in, their, in his passion. When you spend time with the whips that scourged his back, and he took it all on for you, to free you from your sin because he loves you. When you spend time with his hands tied around that pillar out of obedience to be beaten brutally, kicked and mocked out of love for you, that changes hearts. When you spend time with Jesus being mocked by putting a crown of thorns on his head and being punched in the face out of love for you, that makes us change. That makes us want to have a metanoia, right? And Jesus predicts this. It hasn't happened yet. And the disciples don't want that to happen because I think a lot of us want a pretty, pristine, rainbow-esque Jesus. But nothing converts hearts more to repent more than the passion of Jesus for you individually, knowing if you were the only person on earth, 
he would have suffered willingly for you because he'd rather spend eternity with you than without you. And this just happened. And as our gospel opens today, it says, after six days, he led the apostles up the mountain. For those of us, when we hear six days, if we know our scriptures, we know that relates directly to Genesis and the six days of creation. And we know that God gave form to to formless places. He, He filled the waste. He filled the voids. And I'm guessing in this six days for Jesus, he's doing that with Peter and the apostles to say, no, we're going to talk about what suffering really means. And in that time, he decided, Jesus decided, to pull three of them aside by himself, Peter, James, and John. And he pulls them up a mountain. He had to drag them up the mountain to show them who he truly is. And at the base of the mountain, that's a symbol like worldliness. That's a symbol of like gaining the world and forfeiting our souls. And Jesus starts there with them, but he loves them too much to leave them there. And the image that I've been meditating upon this past week is an image that I'm sure like other people can relate to, like because, you know, the, the, the big sinners out there, no one here, of course, but like, I want you to just imagine this. I preached on, on Wednesday night a little bit at the well, but I want you to imagine a person who has a backpack. And in the backpack, they have a lot of the deadly sins, you know, like lust, anger, greed, slothfulness, and it's just weighing them down. And it's very hard for them to move. It's paralyzing them. And then also, with that weight of those sins that they struggle with, they also are carrying a wheelbarrow in front of them. And the wheelbarrow is full of like cement. If you've ever mixed cement, that's an image of us trying to balance the struggles with what is my vocation? What is my work going to be? How am I going to handle these, these, uh, my finances? What's the future hold for me? We're trying to balance that, and it's heavy. We're also being weighed back. But then also, some of us have gone to dark places and done some bad things, or some bad things have been done to us. And that's symbolized by boots that have been walking through mud. And I don't know if you've ever walked through mud with boots on before, but it gets heavy quick. And this is all the stuff at the base of the mountain. And the problem is, is that while all this is happening, it's all being done on a treadmill. I don't know if you've ever been on a treadmill before, but you can, you can move as much as you want. But where does a treadmill ultimately get you physically? Nowhere, right? And I think for a lot of us, if we think about letting go of the ways of the world, if you feel like letting go, getting that backpack off our back, opening up and receiving healing, or letting the Lord take care of all those bombarding emails that we get bombarded with, all the mail, all the news, all of our work, all that stuff, if we let go, we're going to fall back and we're going to be crushed. But my friends, that's something the evil one would want to do in your life. Jesus doesn't want to pull you back. He wants to lift you up. Jesus does not want to pull you back. He wants to lift you up. He wants you to let go and let God. To take that backpack off. To let go 
of the wheelbarrow and to take those heavy, muddy boots off. And the image I'd like to give you, apart from that worldly image of going up the mountain, is the image that one of my favorite saints that I think a lot of us need a devotion to, and if you do, here's my spiritual high five for you, is St. Therese. St. Therese was born in the late 1800s, and she entered the convent like at like 14 years old. And as she was going through the convent, she would hear about this new invention called an elevator. And she just was meditating upon how awesome it would be just to be lifted up instead of having to take stairs. And as she's meditating upon this, she's struggling interiorly with these big, big saints, like the St. Thomas Aquinas, the St. Francis of Assisi's, the St. Dominic's. And she's like, there's no way I can compete with those big boys, right? So her image for God became this, just raising her arms up, and her voice said, pick me up, Papa, so that I can just be raised up with those saints through the divine elevator arms of the Father, So Jesus doesn't want you to fall back. He wants to lift you up into the arms of the Father. But all you have to do is say, pick me up, Papa. So he can lift you from this worldliness that's stressing a lot of us out, these addictions, these temptations. And that means you have to get off the elevator. I'm sorry. (laughs) Not the elevator. The, um, what was that thing called that you run on? Treadmill. Thank you. So we have to get off the treadmill, and if you've gotten off the treadmill, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It might not always be easy, but it's just better. You have to get off the treadmill. But that means you have to say, pick me up, but then notice how Jesus led three with him. So that means you should also think about those who are around you who are struggling. You should be saying, pick us up, Papa, and ask to be raised. And when you do that, what happens is we get our second Greek word, which is metamorphosis. Meta, again, means change. Morphosis means a change of being, a change of body. And Jesus has a metamorphosis in front of the apostles as they get rid of all this worldliness. And it says, His clothes became dazzling white, and such as no fuller on earth could bleach them. That means the light was coming from him. The sun in the world was like nothing compared to the light that they were seeing. And it says, then Elijah appeared along with Moses, conversing with Jesus. So here Jesus is talking to saints. This is one of our proof texts as Catholics where we get intercession of saints. Here Jesus is indeed doing it himself. And Elijah is the symbol of the prophets. And Moses is a symbol of the law. And Peter does what you and I ought to do more often. He says, can we just pause this for a moment? He says, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. And he asked to make three tents. Some people think he's talking like a babbling buffoon, but that's an incorrect interpretation of this. What is Peter doing? He's saying, I don't want this to end. I want to always see Jesus in his glorified state at the seventh day of creation, at the perfected time. I I want to stay here. So he's like, let's just build three tents. Because if you go camping and you bring a tent, that probably means you're going to stay for a little bit. And he hardly knew what to say. He was so terrified and amazed at who God is. And he's probably terrified at, why didn't I change and repent sooner? 
And at that time, a cloud comes, and from the voice, or from the cloud, we hear a voice of the Father. In all the Gospels, we only hear the Father speak two times. Once is at the baptism, and the same words were spoken to you and me at our baptism, this is my beloved son, or this is my beloved daughter, in whom I delight. And then here, today, we hear the words, this is my beloved son, listen to him. And we need silence to listen to Jesus. And we need, we need friends to listen to Jesus, knowing that we can't do it on our own. You know, it's much easier to get off of the treadmill when you have other friends doing it too, right? Very rarely does someone walk into the Newman Center on their own. But when they have friends with them, it's much easier to do to get away from the base of the mountain and going up it and starting to repent and dealing with the stuff that weighs us down and pulls us back and doesn't allow us to say, pick me up, Papa. And when this happens, when they hear this, this statement from the Father, they look around and they see no one but Jesus alone. And that is a very beautiful moment. If you've had those moments, you have to hold on to those things like precious pearls. And you have to go back to those moments often to be reminded that you too are a beloved son or a beloved daughter of the Father, and you are created to listen to the Father. So we can tell you who you are and what you are, rather than at the base of the mountain where we hear things like, you're stupid, you're ugly, why do you even try, you're worthless, you don't even belong here. But at the top of the mountain we hear, you are my beloved son, you are my beloved daughter, you are beautiful, you are worth dying for. Don't quit. Go talk to so-and-so. Be not afraid. And after this moment of being in total aweness of Jesus, they have to go down the mountain. You know, often I hear people say things about mountains and Christians and Buddhists and Hindus and atheists and Jews. They say things like, oh, we're all the same, right? We always want to go up the mountain and we just want to be with God. Christianity is crazy. Christianity says that, no, God became one of us and he came down the mountain to come take on our flesh out of love for us, to heal us and redeem us and to bring us up the mountain. No other religion says that. That is crazy love. And if you know that crazy love, then you have to go down the mountain after you encounter Jesus and go get people who are on the treadmill. And you have to encourage them, and you have to accompany them, because you're compelled by that encounter with the living person of Jesus Christ when you had complete awareness and you saw no one but Jesus alone. And that's what love is. It's when you don't see yourself anymore and you only see the divine. When you forget about yourself and you start to see the divine in other people, but Jesus, as they're going down the mountain, he has to warn his apostles sternly to not relate anyone what you've just seen 
until he had risen from the dead because they needed to encounter Jesus in his passion. They needed to see what Jesus really came to do, how ugly and awful sin is, to see how hateful and hurtful this world is to divine love when it's confusing. And they had to see Jesus look like a worm after he was brutally beaten and scourged out of love for you. And if you know that love, if you receive that love, then you must give that love away and encourage people to be like St. Therese and just say, pick me up, Papa. Pick my friends up, Papa, because I can't carry them. And bring us up the mountain and help us know why we're truly here so we can stop living for this world and start living for heavenly things and not be weighed down by the, by the by the temptations of the world and by the expectations of the world. Because for most of us, if we're honest, you know, no one's going to care about your Instagram account or your Snapchat streak when you're like 35, 40 years old, right? If you think they are, we might have to have a conversation, right? People are going to remember you by what you worshipped, by what was most important in your life. And would it be Jesus... Would it be Jesus? And would it be your friends? When you realize, I can't fight this alone. I need people around me to encourage me, to challenge me, to love me, to walk with me, to tell me, don't get back on the treadmill, right? And just to help me be placed in the arms of the Father. But again, you and I have free will. You can do whatever you want. You have a choice to remain at the base of the mountain or you can just be like St. Therese and say, pick me up, Papa. Pick us up, Papa. And he will gently take that backpack off your back. He will take the wheelbarrow, he'll take the boots off and he will hold you and he will console you. And you will realize that this is all that I need. I just need Jesus to lift me into the arms of the Father. And when you realize that Jesus is all that you need, he gently speaks back to you, and you are all that I want. I don't care what you do, I just want you. So we just take a moment of silence, just to rest and pause like Peter And say, Lord, it is good that we are here, that we can hear the truth in a world that is confusing us and weighing us down. And when the priest lifts up the body of Jesus, do know that you are at the Mount of Transfiguration. You are here. And the Father speaks to you and says, This is my beloved Son, listen to him. And what does he say? This is my body, which has been given up for you. Do this in memory of me. Which means that you and I are called to do the same. But it's much easier to do for others, or with others, than alone. And we just pause. To be reminded that we are beautiful, we are loved, and Jesus is all that we need. And we pray for the courage 
to let go and let God. Amen.